and we're live. Hello, everyone. This is Pineapple Freak, and I'm here with my bestest friend in the entire world, Radio. Say hi, Radio. Hey. Aw, isn't he sweet? And we are here <laughs> with our uh, very first episode, technically, of Wholesome Transmissions. So um, this is our podcast. We did one episode with just Radio and myself, and today we broke some people into coming on. They have no idea what's in store for them, which is awesome. Well, sort of. Um, and yeah, so from here on out, we're going to be having um, guests every episode that we're going to try to bring on board. Um, and for those of you who don't know, our podcast is essentially it's a mixture of basically trying to explore people's lives outside of just video games and especially people in the arms community. Um, we're also wanting to talk about esports and competitive gaming quite a bit and the various games that our guests play and also trying to um, explore mentality and mental health a bit so that we can try to, you know, hopefully learn from this podcast and have it be sort of a, a teaching tool as well. So, yeah, um, we have some guests lined up in the future, and we also have two incredible uh, people with us tonight. So we will introduce them. Radio, why don't you uh, introduce our first guest tonight? So today on the list, we have Griffical. Um, this guy here, amazing arms player, um, also an artist, has done many types of work Um for uh, lots of people in the community uh commentator a curler don't know what that is i'm gonna ask that later though <laughs> and um he lives in a green wagon um so just to give us a little bit more insight he helped us design the logo of wholesome transmissions um what program do you use griff blender blender it's actually a real life if he actually uses a real life blender like it's <laughs> 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 he throws the art into the blender and just does it yeah he was yeah. like, "Hey guys, we uh, we want to get this logo out, and can you can you just like make something?" And he's like, "Sure." Throws him in a blender. <laughs> yes, that's oh the, that's the creative process. But then we were like, "But with triangles and some vaporwave," and then he's like, oh, "Cool." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. So, Pine, would you introduce our next guest? I would love to. Um, so I, uh, when we kind of planned this first episode, um, I couldn't think of any way to get either Griff or uh, our second guest Scrimps on the podcast without each other, because they've done a lot of work together and they're a really cool dynamic pair. <laughs> um, so we really, really like, uh, both Scrimps and Griff. And for those of you who don't know, Scrimps is, um, he works for the, the good old USA as a postal man right now. Um, we started that job not too long ago, which also entailed his move um, to where he's located now in Chicago. Um, he's a streamer as well of a lot of Switch games. Um, anyone who knows Scrimps knows that he loves the Nintendo Switch and Nintendo and streams all their games. He also plays ARMS, which is how um, I got introduced to him because he was not only playing but also hosting ARMS tournaments. Um, he's a commentator first and foremost and a really good one at that. Um, he does play Smash too, and yeah, he doesn't have a body. For those of you who don't know, um, if you ever watch his streams, he's always have, has a green screen and uh, always crops out his body, which is awesome. So, um, Scrims, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and you know go over some of your uh, endeavors that you've been a part of? Oh well, hello. Thank you for the wonderful introduction, Brian. Uh, as you stated, of course. Arms streamer extraordinaire. 
I'm pretty sure that's French. Yeah, no, that's totally uh, French. Yeah, good, good. Uh, yeah, did a whole bunch of tournaments with the help of Sniffical, who's here with me today, smelling up all the good smells like he always does, <laughs> hogging them all. Um, yeah. Does he actually, like, steal your smells out of your body? Well, no, I wouldn't. He doesn't so much steal them as hog them. It's like, you know, your your mom says, here's a large fry, and Sniffical <laughs> okay. comes over there and sniffs up all the fries, and there's none left. It's the same with smells, you know? Like, stop and smell the roses, and we do together, but his <laughs> sniffer is just so powerful, he gets, I guess, the majority of the smells. I mean, but I know you guys work together, but but he's in Canada and you're in Chicago. So like, how yeah. does he how does he steal your smells all it's the way the lake from effect. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that explains it. Okay, yeah. okay that, yeah, I think we clarified that. Cool, cool. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I guess going from from our introductions, um, I kind of we wanted to kind of delve into. Um, both Griff and Scrimps and, and some of their hobbies and interests that are, are really fascinating to me. Um, and I guess we also kind of want to start with how they got into the arm scene, because that's where we all kind of met. And um, so I guess starting out, uh, Griff, um, wh when did you first pick up the game? Um, and when did you decide to start playing competitively? Or like, how did you get introduced to the scene exactly? Oh, boy. I gotta take an old trip to long-term memory. It's kind of foggy up there. Uh, I mean, it's been two and a half years. That should be like <laughs> right in the back of your head. I believe I can't remember when they did that arms theme direct, but that was when I was sold on the game. I was like, I need this. I ran over <laughs> to the game store. I was like, can I pre-order this? They're like, sure. And I'm like, thanks. And then I leave. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's that's the story. <laughs> okay. All right. And did you? I guess did you join like the Arm Central Discord and some of the other um, servers like before the game came out, or is that after the game came out and you started playing it? Oof. Uh, I would say maybe like a whole month of me was just solo playing without any involvement in the online community. Okay. Yeah. I mean. I definitely relate to that. That was how I, I... I didn't join the Discord until, like, several months after the game came out. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And, um... Like... So you were hooked from the beginning. Did, did it live up to your expectations when you started playing it? Mm, no, that's funny, because I... I don't remember any expectations I set. I was just like, <laughs> well, I could punch people from a distance? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> That's all I wanted, and I got it. That's that's well. See, I when I started playing Arms, I thought it was like I I couldn't understand it. Like I think I didn't I didn't understand the game until a couple like maybe a hundred or two hundred hours in, in terms of all the mechanics and the different movement and stuff. Um, because I just felt it was like a steep learning curve for the competitive scene. Yeah, I, I can that. I can understand that. Yeah, Scrims, when did when did you start? Uh, when did you get hyped for ARMS, and when did you purchase it? Well, I am just a nut for Nintendo games in general. And as soon as I saw there was an original IP coming out, it, especially in the time frame that it came out in, there wasn't a lot on the Switch yet. It was one of the first original IPs, if not the first, I don't know. 
I mean, I think... It, I'm not going to get into geography here on this podcast. <laughs> I think it was, though, because, like, at that point when the Switch first came out, we had I felt like we had a major release every month or a month and a half. And for people who, like, got the Switch, were totally hooked and using that as, like, their main console, it was kind of slim pickings. Like, nowadays on the Switch... I can't even keep track of the Switch library of yeah. games. Like, right. It's ridiculous. Right. But, so, but back, yeah. So that that was uh, my draw to it was made by Nintendo, original IP made by <laughs> Nintendo. And I said, yep, I will hit the pre-order button. This is back when uh, Amazon Prime gave you $5 off new game. Yes. I, I, that, that's one of the reasons um, why I pre-ordered ARMS. And... Was kind of- Shout not out to them for canceling that. I'm no longer a Prime member because of it. That's the only reason I was sticking around. But here we are. Um, that's why I got into ARMS. And then immediately when I got the game, I saw a man made of goo. And <laughs> it was over. I, <laughs> I saw Helix and I started bobbing and weaving like I was Floyd Mayweather. And I was hooked into the game. And that's also right right around when i started streaming yeah well, that's really awesome and were you you were streaming before arms though a little bit right yeah uh not long before arms came out i started streaming probably two months maybe a month i don't know okay gotcha but it, i i started on the switch so it couldn't have been yeah it couldn't have been too much before right. that yeah Okay. Awesome. I want to clarify two things from uh, from Griff. Um, well, one, Griff, why don't you why don't you uh, explain the wagon story to us? Because I oh feel boy. like we I feel like we glazed over this. Yeah, uh, we kind of did. And radio is very, <laughs> yeah. very glazed. All you said was he lives in a green house, a green wagon. <laughs> I didn't. Ex- Got to build up the suspense, you know. <laughs> there's a there's a difference between building suspense and. <laughs> Mentioning something and then not and talking like, about it at all. I, I guarantee you, no one's clicked off because they're like, "I need to hear about the wagon." He said it once, and I haven't talked about it. I need it. Halfway into it, finally talks uh, about it. There's people, yeah. Explain Everybody just logs off afterwards. Tell okay. us about the wagon story. Uh, the year is, I believe, 2017. I am sweeping some ice, as you do. And after the whole event was wrapped up, we, I believe we placed second, which was pretty good at that time. We, we go upstairs, there's a bunch of piles of prizes, and the first thing I set my eyes on is that wagon, and I'm like, yep, yeah, that's mine. No <laughs> oh, one's yeah. taking that from me. So as soon as they call our names, I run to the table, pick it up with both hands, raise it over my head, and bring it back. <laughs> so, I was like, this is mine now. Uh, so this was... What curling champ was this? Like a a regional championship or something, or what? What tournament was oh, this? This was just a yeah regular regular old local curling bond spiel. Nothing special. <laughs> bond spiel. Yes. <laughs> so I must know. I only know about curling because it's platoon. But to all the other people <laughs> out there that don't know what curling is, how would you describe this? Ooh. Okay. Basically, in a nutshell, the whole premise is. You throw rocks at houses, and the person that gets the most rocks in the houses wins. In the house? 
Sometimes you sweep the rocks, but not all the time. Wait, sometimes in curling, do you not always sweep the rocks? Because my my impression of curling is like I always see like the you know you see the the, the videos on like the like you see the Olympics and you just see people like furiously scraping ice, <laughs> and that's my impression of curling. I don't know a whole lot beyond that. When when did you start curling? Ooh, I have to do some math here. Hold on. Math is hard. Okay, here's 2019. 2012 was when I started. Is it just like when you live in Canada, they force you to sign up for some sport (laughs) involving ice? Or or was it your friends or your your parents suggested that you start curling? Ooh, uh, mainly for me, it was passed on from my father. He's a curling fanatic. Oh, okay. Champion. Champion? Champ. E on. Uh... Okay, okay. That makes sense. So That's he awesome. also did it his entire life or something like that? Or just kind of oh, like yeah. as a passion? He, it was in his childhood. He took a break for a while and then he came back. And now he's been curling almost every week. So you got to uh, respect the hustle. That is That is very impressive. Now, I mean, is his passion for that sort of like has that helped you to keep going and enjoy the sport a lot? Cause it's like sort of a bonding thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love curling with my old man brings that's me really, joy. Uh, that's really awesome. That's really good. I find it very difficult um, <laughs> to relate to my dad a bit <laughs> in some ways. Uh, Cause I don't know, like I feel like especially when you get older, it's difficult to find something that you can really bond over with like your family. Cause it can be difficult beyond just you being related to them. Yeah, I can understand that. And I think it helps because it was like in the earlier stage where I was still like picking stuff up. Yeah. He just mentioned, hey, you want to try this? I was like, okay. And then kind of went from there. That's really awesome. So, and this is just something that I I usually like to ask people whenever they're into some sort of sport or anything, really. Do you feel like it helped you on a social level um, with other people in any way? (laughs) I feel like I should say yes, but I want to say no. <laughs> so why is that? Well, curling's a very social sport. You have to constantly be like shouting at every teammate so that they know what you're trying to you're trying to communicate. Because like everyone's everywhere, and you just need to directly shout to all three of them at the same time what you want to be done <laughs> at all times, <laughs> and it's it's very exhausting, but. I don't know, even even still, like I am very vocal on the ice, but uh in real life it hasn't really helped me be a more social person, I would say. So really it's just more if you were able to communicate with your teammates because that's kind of the requirements of it, but outside of that, that's as far as it goes. Yeah, yeah. It's like the first thing they tell you and they keep reminding you is like communication is important. So Alright, well cool. That's that's really cool. Um Wait, Griff. Griff, tell us about the bowl line. The, the bowl, bowl line? <laughs> okay, wait. Even I'm confused. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. The hog the line. Ho- there you go. That's Show the me one. your hog. <laughs> I, was, I was very confused there. I was confused, too. I was like... Oh, yeah, but now yeah, that I say right? hog line, you guys are totally on board. Got it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm no, still I'm very so confused. confused. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about the hog line, Griff. You know, I kind of figured you meant that, but I had no idea everyone else was confused. But... <laughs> 
Yeah, the hog line is a menacing being that no one ever dare disturb. Uh, okay. Cool. You what? shall not cross. Explain this hog line. <laughs> okay, uh, it's, it's a very menacing long line that stretches out across the ice horizontally. Approximately 21.945 centimeters. Exactly. Exactly oh. that distance. So what does this do? You have to cross it, basically. What is the function of this? Okay, uh, I don't know. I don't know how well you know curling. I and just how it made looks. this podcast but a half like... hour long. <laughs> <laughs> can we just talk about curling the entire time? Sure. Okay. We, anyways, we, uh, we can. So, like, you're you're delivering the rock on one side, and the house where you want to get it is on the other side. So, yeah. to prevent players from just sliding all the way out to the house and gently letting it go, <laughs> there's a hog line that you have to release before. Okay. Because otherwise, you know, they just move yeah, right yeah. up to that house, place it down Wait. in the middle. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Okay, but it's called it's it's called the hog line. It is the hog line. That's... We must not use its name in vain. <laughs> Don't want to mess with the hog line. That's rule number one. All right. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Thanks. Thank you for clarifying that. What I want to ask you guys though is because you have both of you have worked together on countless tournaments yeah. and. A lot of collaboration. And I, I wanna... actually can't count them. Uh, well, it's ridiculous, like how much art and and like really cool stuff that Griff has made um, over the, the the span of arms. So I kind of want to delve into like how did that start and when did when did um, that like relationship kind of flourish between you two? Oh man, Griff, do you know do you know when or how our <sighs> Oh, you know what? I do form. remember. I remember. Oh, please tell me. It just oh, sprung God. up right now. Okay, so I believe it's after one of the first MLMs I competed in. And okay. Shrimps messages something about his birthday. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll throw a few buckets of sauce in that blender. Blend them up a helix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he was, he yeah, was like, oh, wow, you made helix. that. And I was like, yeah. And then yes. we sort of went from there. Oh my gosh, I remember this too. Okay, yeah. It was... I it, Whatever. Uh, social media, it's my birthday, whatever. Hey, look at me. And Griff <laughs> looked at me. And he made this uh, 3D helix in Blender. And it was brown. The color that I always pick. Oh, the okay. brown helix. And he made it with the goggles. And ooh man i was so happy i said it as my profile images and all this and then um i don't know if i saw uh like you made a three-dimensional object that was rotating or i saw a trophy or something but i remember i wanted a three-dimensional trophy to rotate on my stream during these weeklies or tournaments that i was holding and so i contacted griff and i was like yeah can you do this? Uh, help me out here. I'll, I'll pay you, whatever. And I'll, I'll always remember this. Griff said, no, you know what? Yeah, I won't let you pay me. <laughs> Griff I, says that to everyone. He does. And, and that's, he's such, he's and such and a that's kind what I'm person. getting to. Yes, exactly. He said, uh, I won't let you pay me. I'm doing this to meet good people and help people. You know, yeah. just paraphrasing. Um, that's that's really awesome though but it was just so awesome because i'm trying to start streaming 
I'm trying to start streaming ARM. I'm like on the come up, trying to be, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And it was just so natural how Griff was competing in the tournaments, which is how I started following him and saw his stuff and approached him about that. And he helped me from day one. It was so fast he got it done and I was just blown away by what he did and then that started the relationship where I was gonna force him to make everything for me <laughs> from here until day's end well so I, I want to clarify a few things for people who are listening that might not know um, when we say MLM that refers to to their to Scrim's tournament uh, Mega League Mondays so which was um, it's on hiatus at the time being but um, was a well, weekly arms tournament that people could play in um, alongside your other long-standing tournament, Fight Club. And I think, did Griff design the original logo for Fight Club? Oh, or yeah. did he design? Yeah, I that, thought there was... That was a really fun one, too. So um, <laughs> Fight Club obviously is a movie. Well, I don't know if I should say obviously because I'm about to explain <laughs> this. Um, Fight Club was my idea. We needed to get a higher level of competition because everything that I was trying to do for a tournament or a stream had to be fit into a certain time frame. Like three to four hours. Yeah, yeah. because nobody including me wants to sit there <laughs> for more than you know three hours to play in an online tournament. It's like, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm home from work. I have time tonight to do this thing. Let me set aside some time to do it. But you, nobody yes. wants to stay up till 11, 12, playing in a tournament for five, six hours where they have to neglect the rest of their lives, including the streamers. So that was my thinking behind all the rule sets, all the fast-paced action, and thus Fight Club, which was an invite-only tournament where we'd reach out to top players, bring 15 people in. You play yeah. one match against one match. each person, <laughs> against every single person there, and at the end of that the highest record wins. So it's just fast paced, cutthroat, no excuses, show up and bite 14 people in a row with no breaks and then <laughs> go home <laughs> or stay. Well, yeah, no. And I think the, the thing with fight club, um, well, I think originally fight club wasn't invite only. Cause I remember I signed up for several of the first right. couple. Yeah. It, but, it was not originally. Yeah, but then as it grew, it became for the arms community. It became sort of like the like one of the higher echelon of like uh, challenges for players of of usually a lot of high level players. And you always made it a habit, uh, um, a, a decisive um, thing to always stream everyone at least once or twice, yeah. hopefully. Yep. So it was also nice because if you were an upcoming player and this, the tournaments, I mean, we had, we had, I think that was, they had very good viewership most of the time. Um, so you could get, you know, your matches streamed and you could get a little notoriety and also um, enjoy the, the fast paced combat. And I think from my perspective of like all the arms tournaments that we've had um, since the game started up until now, fight club stands out as one of the, the things that I think like increases a player's skill dramatically very fast because you're playing against 14 other people back to back in a very short time span. And there's a lot right. of adaptation and also like endurance that you kind of yeah. need to have. I mean, you said the word adaptation is it. You, you have to be in the right mental state to stay. It's one match. So, 
Yeah. It, anything can happen in one match. It, you could have a number one versus the number 630. It doesn't matter. It, anything can happen in one match. So if you aren't able to reset your head, to reset your thinking after how long's a match? A, three minutes? It's like, it's like three to five minutes yeah. tops. Yeah. So yeah. in three minutes, you either succeed or you fail and then reset and go immediately because we're on the schedule where everybody's doing the same thing. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's an oven. It is hot. It is. It's cooking it. fast. And it, especially when it was invite only with only the top players because it was yeah. just... But yeah, anyway, back to the logo. That's, that's the reference to the name Fight Club where, you know... It's the soap bar. Yeah, the duality yes. of man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the, so, the soap bar was so cool too because it was... Oh, and so we also... For those of you who don't know, during Scrimps tournaments when he would stream... Um, the, the soap bar or the trophy for Mega League Monday, which was the arms belt, basically, that said MLM on it, would be rotating in 3D for the entire yeah. stream and the corner, which is really neat. It's really neat, and you don't get to see the struggle behind that. But let's, yes. let's get to the after the soap bar story, because when Griff was making this for me, I, I don't know if you had seen Fight Club or not, Griff. Did I have to send you like the movie poster? <laughs> uh... Yeah, I believe you sent me one promotional art, and I was yeah. like, yeah, okay. Right, right. So, <laughs> in Fight Club, they make soap as their means to continue this Fight Club that they're doing. So, And on one of the promotional posters is a bar of soap that they make with their stamp on it. And I'm like, yes, let's get that soap, but put arms on it, and we're going to make it all bubbly. <laughs> and he, he sends me the first copy, and I'm like, yes, but more bubbles. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, and he sends me back the next one. I'm like, yes, more bubbles. <laughs> and we just keep adding more and more O's and they're just more. And oh. finally he sends me this one that's just dripping with bubbles. <laughs> I'm like, yes, print it. Let's that's, go. that's the one thing I remember in detail. It's like, oh, he didn't tell me how much bubbles he wants. Let's put two or three in. It's like, okay, can we get more though? <laughs> And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll throw a few more. He's like, yes, but more. And then I, I absolutely snap. And I'm like, okay, you want bubbles? I'm going to give you 500 bubbles. <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay, okay, we're good. <laughs> he, he lost his stuff. He's like, uh, fine, I'll give you your bubbles. And he says it. I'm like, perfect. He's like, oh, I guess that wasn't over the top. <laughs> that, that is a beautiful story. And the Fight Club, I do remember the soap bar being, being very bubbly, which was, which was awesome. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we're playing a Nintendo fighting game. So it's not all yeah. hardcore. They're dipping people in sulfuric acid in that. We're not about that life. <laughs> We're just trying to suds up and get some fun going. Trying to get which clean over here. Yeah. Oh, we, uh, Give me yes. my W. <laughs> which, which we definitely did. Well, I want to I wanna segue into Griff's art a bit because I was also wondering, like, when did because uh, all of, all of the art that you've made a lot of it has been the, the these 3d models of like full 3d renders and yeah i i wanted to kind of get into like did you start um like your art um your art shortly before or during that that time in arms or like when did you start your art career and then also um I want you to explain how you only use mouse and keyboard for your art because that is like that is mind blowing to me. Like I can't I can't fathom that. So <laughs> I would like some clarification. 
Okay, uh, so what do you want me to start on? Because there's quite a few topics in there. <laughs> okay, what? so first, what? hold on. Get, uh, I want to know more about your, your art specifically. Like, when did you get into it? And how did that become a thing? And why, I guess. Okay, right. So, in in my days of being a youngin, uh, I was looking for things to do. And uh, there's, uh, there's this one local place that held a few art classes for all ages and i was like hey that sounds pretty fun you know not expecting too much from it but something to yeah. do and then i start like i don't know what the first one i started like grabbing some clay and like splashing around i was like hey this is pretty fun <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i naturally just took a huge interest in art it was my it became my favorite subject and so it sort of what... just came from there at what age would you say like this? What well, when was this like interest starting for you? Watch him say 2012 again. <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about that, but no, <laughs> I believe I believe this happened at least two years before I started curling. It's like 2010 okay. at the latest. Okay. Okay. So you were a young you were a young boy. Oh yeah, point. young and boys. And when did you like? Was the 3D modeling for like scrimps's um, tournaments? Um, pretty close to when you started doing like the online three D modeling, or was that significantly before that? I would say when he contacted me, I had about six months of experience. I had just finished oh, wow. one of my big beginner courses. Okay. Wow. I didn't. I didn't really feel like I knew what I was doing, but I <laughs> well, guess it was good enough. Oh, it was good. Everyone in the arms community, like, I think from the very beginning of your first couple projects, really appreciated what you were doing and just how impressive the fact that you were making, like, full 3D renders was. And I think if you compare, like, the work that you did then, which I thought was really awesome to the stuff His that you've been doing now more recently, it's crazy. The, the woos are amazing. What? Let's go. It's, it's pretty amazing. Like, I feel like you can definitely see how much you've grown the past couple of years um and I, I think a lot of that probably stems from you doing all these ridiculous projects for <laughs> yeah i mean like when i was making the twitter video for the ramen bowl redesign Ooh, when i did like yeah. the comparison side by side i was like wait i made that is that is that something i did yeah, yeah that is oh, it's crazy it's, it's like crazy such a big that. contrast yeah yeah and for anyone who doesn't know ramen bowl was another tournament that scripts did and the idea was it was shaped after the stage uh, in arms, the ramen bowl, big, big bowl of ramen. It's delicious. Man, what what a trophy you built for that, Griff. That was crazy. It's, it's a it's a it's beautiful. But um, just building on you talking about Griff's growth, uh, I remember <laughs> the first trophy we were trying to figure out. He could make it the full 3D model, beautiful, have it rotate on his screen. But in order to make that appear on my stream, tiny in the corner with a transparent background, was, yeah, was nightmarish. More, more of a struggle than anybody uh, could appreciate. Everybody just sees the beautiful three-dimensional. They don't know about RGBs and bouncing <laughs> into different formats. Like, yeah, Griff Griff grinded this stuff out for me, and he did it really quickly. And it's his work speaks for itself. I mean, honestly, it was such a big portion of the community that we were able to build, the vibe that we put off, you know, 
There oh, was, absolutely. There was always a certain level of professionalism behind it. Yeah. Uh, aside from, you know, late night MLM <laughs> rambling <laughs> off about whatever we're talking about on commentary. But, oh, man. You know, yeah. the, the stream set up and the, the full feel of it was put together by Griff and all of his art, every single trophy that he did from MLM to 3VT. Man, that design, <laughs> that 3VT design is so sick. That that was next level. Like when you told me what you want to do with like the the holes, I was like, that this is fourth dimension, big brain. <laughs> yeah, and then we then we figured out the uh, stream transition where I could take it from uh, oh, the and it big makes page. Purple. Yeah, and it uh, <laughs> it switches the colors. Uh. Oh, wait, what was I forget? What was the logo for three V T? So three V T is a V with a T inside of it and then two threes inside each side of the <laughs> T with a versus in the middle. And then <laughs> and then in the V were holes where I would keep red and green dots live on stream. The biscuit. <laughs> Holy crap. And then that... yeah, while while we were streaming I would update the holes to be either red or green to represent which rounds each team had won. It, yeah, uh, it well, was it was such a great collaboration, like they all were. But the the idea yeah. and the art coming together like that, it happened a lot. Well, yeah. So Griff, you but you do this all with the mouse and keyboard. Explain how you don't <laughs> use like a tablet and like a pen, because I feel like most artists do that, and the stuff that you put out with just a mouse and keyboard is like ridiculous. Okay, so uh, you know when I I believe when like everyone starts. They they don't have professional equipment. They have the bare uh, yeah, minimum. Right. So I I'm I'm stood I'm standing here with with my, like a very cheap keyboard, somewhat broke down, and my mouse, and I'm I'm playing around in Blender, and I guess it just sort of grew on me. Like I get I can be a lot more efficient with other means of producing, but yeah, I've I've grown into this so much that it's it's I'm a traditionalist. What can I say? <laughs> I mean, that's, I don't think that's anything wrong with it. I guess I just kind of wanted to know if that was it or if there was something else to it, like you felt. Also, um, the have you seen the prices of those, some of those styluses? Like, those are crazy. Starting now. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're really, no, they're really expensive and, and it, it takes a lot of money to build up that, like, that um, amount of stuff to, like, art tools. Like, it's, it gets real pricey for the digital stuff. It's yeah. not cheap. Um, oh, that makes sense. I mean, I still use the buttons to punch in arms, and everyone always <laughs> gives me crap for that because I because I just started using A and B to punch in arms from the beginning, and I realized that I might be better at the game if I use the triggers to punch. But I am so hardwired into my brain to use the buttons that I literally just can't use the triggers. Like I've tried many <laughs> times to teach myself to use triggers and arms, and I can't. It's just like that. Once you get used to something. It just becomes such second nature. You can't really override that's, it. That's some Cobra stuff. As a Helix mate, <laughs> let me tell you, I use, <laughs> I use both buttons and triggers. You know, I've I've always wanted to try playing Helix, but I can't because I I I, I don't know how to punch with the triggers. <laughs> well, so really there's is. there's times where you want to goop and punch at the same time, and it's so much easier to just hit. Use the buttons. Yeah, to just roll your finger across the buttons as opposed to dashing and hitting the trigger. There's, they have their uses. But when I'm in tower mode, it's all triggers. Yeah, that makes sense. I get that. 
Well, well, Screams, I want, so I want to ask you though. Um, so I first found about your music career when, when I was listening, watching your streams and you would play your beats in the beginning and end of the stream, I believe. Yeah. And so you've been doing music for quite some time and what kind of got you into that? And then, um, what prompted you to go in the route of making like beats instead of making like full songs, you know, with vocals and stuff. Right. Um, so initially I was making music because I love music <laughs> and I, I imagine that that's the same reason I still make it for today. But yeah, I mean, there, I guess what prompted it was having the technology in front of me to do it. I'd always been passionate about music. Always. I, I catch strong vibes off of sound regardless of what it is. So that makes sense. I moved from Indianapolis to Michigan uh, after eighth grade. And when I did that, I found a new group of friends. One of my friends, my current roommate now, actually 15 years later, something like that. Long time. Wow. Uh, But he had a Mac Mini, and it was the first Apple product that I had used. And on that Mac Mini was GarageBand. Okay. Which is just your basic uh, DWI music program. So started yeah. fooling around in that. And my group of friends and I were big hip-hop fans. So I started making hip-hop beats. Um, fooled around with that. Had a little group in high school. You know, made a couple hundred beats or whatever. Then um, when I went to college, started taking it a little more seriously. Started my own uh, website which is no longer up themusicchef.com a little a, a passion project you could call it but it, I wanted yeah. I wanted uh, producers like myself to be able to monetize more easily without the middleman you know iTunes or whatever taking a percentage yeah uh, and the the beat instead of full song part really came from being around uh, mostly hip-hop artists who were just looking for an instrumental for to put their voice on. So mm-hmm. I would treat everything I made as a canvas for a voice. You know, I would leave a lot of notes open. I would leave a lot of pauses and build-ups so that somebody could add... The voice is just another instrument, so... Yeah, I'm always leaving things open for a voice to be on there. Even in my full productions that I do, which I wouldn't necessarily call beats, I would call them full songs for my big projects. They definitely are, absolutely. Uh, but I, I still—that's kind of my sound—is is leaving space open to be interpreted. Whether you want to well, yeah. put something there or think of something. I want to inspire more than just what you're hearing. Yeah, I, I know my impression of your music, especially since, well, you've you've given us a lot of tracks to use on, on our podcast, which is which is awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, but you definitely have a, a lot of hip hop influences, and um, I can definitely see that you know a lot of these tracks could be wrapped over, or you could do the instrumentals over them uh, to you know to have a full you know if you wanted to have a vocal. Um, component 
but the hip hop influences and just the fact that they're also very useful for background music or, or just like chill beats in general. Um, your stuff is really soothing. I find a lot of the time. Well, thank you. That's, that's a yeah. wonderful thing to feel is, um, by the way, just to touch on that, um, with all the music that I've seen uh, Scrimps make, uh, I always felt like there was this uh, not just um, something to listen to. There's something you could also feel in it. A lot of the music, you can have a lot of different variations. Um, it's, a, it's a timeless thing where uh, you find another artist that can be able to produce uh, not just music, but also a feeling in something. Um, whereas some people can copy and paste the same thing literally over and over and call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um it's refreshing to me um to hear the way he makes beats um as a musician myself i i highly appreciate it um just with the little things that i hear mixed in uh, and how he goes about it um really hard to explain it without literally taking five ten minutes <laughs> to explain just that but it's something super solid to see. Um, so yeah, you'll hear that um, those um, beats and our intros, outros, sometimes in between. Um, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, you, your SoundCloud page is still still up and running, and that's where you can find all, all of the stuff that you pushed out. And I think what is it, DJ uh, Wody? Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, D period J period W O D Y DJ. And yep. Radio, thank you so much your comments that means a lot man you know i i oh, know yeah. i know you guys are having guests on but <laughs> we cannot let it be unsaid that radio is a wonderful position and yes he is talking about emotion this guy puts it all on the line he he plays every instrument sings writes it all i mean <laughs> to to pour that amount of emotion into what you're doing it it makes me rethink what i'm doing you know and how he's talking about how he can feel emotion in my music i'm like over here weeping listening to his stuff it's yeah nuts the way you you can hear it in his voice and that means something i mean it's it's one thing to hear it in the music but when somebody's letting it out of their body you know like sniffical does with all this <laughs> it's it's wonderful and thank goodness we met radio we've had the opportunity to collab on uh, a couple things here and excited to do some more work with you for sure absolutely yeah i mean if i could just add something to scrimps's music like i feel like you know uh it has it has an attachment to my brain like emotionally like it's a part of my life now because like you you get the notification you run to whichever device you have you turn on the stream you hit it hits you up with that trophy and then you get the i just wanted to you eating oh and you're like oh. yes that's gotta be extra you, you get up from the chair and you start busting a move hey i just wanna tell you it ain't love yep <laughs> Griff, oh man, that must be sweet to to come see it all in fruition, where you get to see your trophy spinning. Because that's I would start every stream of the. It was very iconic. Yeah, it was. You knew exactly what was going down. You got the scrimps notification if it was a Monday. You'd see that belt spinning. Griff's beautiful Mega League Monday belt. Oh, uh, Griff, I feel like you made something 
before the belt. I think he did the Fight Club logo before the belt. So Mega League no, Monday wasn't. No, no. It, um, well, maybe again, not, not talking geography here, but um, <laughs> was maybe it was, was the Ramen Bowl. There was we did something that was for Mega League Monday. Maybe it was just an edit to the belt, but I remember we worked through that one too, and I, I was like, put the five stars on the top on the belt. <laughs> and once you put those stars on there, I was like, ah, oh, the way the it's a five star belt. <laughs> and the thing that most people don't. I shouldn't say most people because I don't know what people are thinking. The thing that people should appreciate about the about art in general is the fine details and the way that Griff would put the lights, you know, because Blender is a program and you have to place your lighting in the 3D environment so that when it spins, the light's hitting the right spots. And just yeah. working through problems like that. I remember on the original Ramen Bowl, we did that. I was like, yeah, it's it's beautiful. It just looks a little dark. So we'd work with the lights and Griff would figure it out. That's all That's, that's all part of the, the growth and the process, too. It, it, it was just so much fun to be a part of yeah. seeing Griff make these masterpieces. There's so, an amazing thing about art in that aspect whenever it comes to creativity is that you, whenever you get to actually see how it's made and, and mold it yourself, there is just like this super uh, huge amount of appreciation for how this how much this person went through to get the result. Right. Um, and for the person that's just viewing it, it may not be the same way, but for the people that actually get to see it, there's like there's this immediate uh, immediate attachment. Um, this is almost like a, almost like feeling like home in a way because you get to see it grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the I would... way, uh, sorry, Pine. I just want to make a quick point on that. Like the way I think of N64 when I think of a Nintendo 64 game, I feel like just it's got that vibe, that masterpiece feel. It's not about the graphics, but you got to get the pixels right. It's the same sort of you're working with what you got and making it your way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just kind of want to add that, like, I feel like that particular period in in the arm scene of like Fight Club and Mega League Monday being like the, the the main tournaments going around, and everyone was still kind of learning the game. So I feel like every week there was new and interesting stuff for people that were bringing on new sets or new characters to try out yeah. in these tournaments. And it had this really cool vibe because, like you mentioned, the like the stream started with with your uh, um, bodiless head floating, and you had the the Fight Club or you know Mega League Monday trophy rotating, and you had your chill beats playing in the background. Everyone was like typing in the chat, and it's like that sort of like and you know, and that's been I mean, it's been a year and a half since like that time now, yeah. or at least a year. So it's like thinking back on that, it, that does feel like sort of, you know, like this, this very um, warm, like very friendly memory. And that like entire time period was just like sort of that experience. And I think that's a, like a perfect representation and, um, you know, culmination of the scene at that point. Uh, I don't know if this is what you meant with like the MLM belt, but nevertheless, it's a neat little Easter egg for everyone. Uh, we originally, as we were going through, we were thinking about it being a metal. Yes. And it was like yes, attached yes, yes. to the ribbon. But we, oh, we scrapped okay. that idea pretty quickly and went to the belt. Yep. The, belt the belt's really cool. The belt's awesome. Yeah, that's... I was sitting here looking through all the logos that Griff has made. And everyone I see, I'm like, no, that's my favorite. Nope, that's my favorite. <laughs> uh, 
I I think my personal favorite is the logo he made for Wholesome Transmissions, but I'm a little <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little biased. I'm biased. <sighs> I mean, hey, you have a little bit more of an attachment with it. You got to see it grow, so. I know. Yeah, yeah it's very, very, <laughs> very close to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> right. we, well, we went from a sketch to a full-blown logo. <laughs> we did. We did. We very, yeah, we, we did that. Um, all right, well, on that note, we are going to take, I think, a little, a little short break so everyone can uh, drink their gamer juice and get ready for, uh, <laughs> ooh, for, <laughs> for some of the discussion to come. Um, but we will take a few minutes now. Wholesome Transmissions, the show where we talk about Griff and Scrimps all the oh. time. Yeah, this was really coincidental. We we made this show and you just happened to, you know, <laughs> be guests on our show. It's really, it's quite fascinating. <laughs> totally totally not on purpose. Yeah, don't think too much about that. Um, <laughs> so uh, we the second topic of our show would typically be like arms discussion slash esport discussion, but I feel like we covered a lot of ground on the subject of arms and your involvement in the scene already because we didn't really talk about it too much. I wanted Scrimps to talk about Ramen Bowl a bit because that was sort of like this large tournament online in the scene that has this sort of like mystique and legacy surrounding it in a way that few other things have. <laughs> So, Scrimps, why don't you kind of go into, like, why you... Well, one, why you started the tournament, and two, what was your intention behind that particular tournament? Um, yeah. So, Ramen Bowl was born out of the lack of offline majors, and I wanted to expand on the Fight Club idea where we took the invite-only format and applied it to a serious double elimination tournament with a prize pot mm -hmm. and i was thinking that we could do a prize pot several different ways but uh in the end what i decided on was a format that would let fans engage as things were happening and a way to uh, it seemed more direct to me for yeah. people to donate bits for the action that was happening you know, like, uh, I'm giving you the hype. Here's the hype. You see the hype? Okay, you like the hype? Donate to the hype. <laughs> and, I, you know, the idea was I take nothing from it as the streamer. I'm just the puppet master behind the scenes, pulling the strings and 
all the arms players are putting on the show and i feel like the way yeah well let me explain how we how we did the prize pot uh first so we would run the tournament you could only contribute to the prize pot during the tournament through bits on twitch so instead of doing yeah. uh gofundme a matcherino where people just you know weeks prior i'm like hey i'm having a tournament pay money i figured it would be <laughs> a lot cooler yeah. and a lot more lucrative to have the payouts happening live so you know it's gormagala versus resolve people are going crazy and <laughs> it goes to game five and they're like oh my goodness yes here's all my bits pour them on the table whoever <laughs> wins is gonna take these and it, it just became so dramatic and the uh, the whole community would come out and get behind it and i think uh, ramen bowl one we actually had over 70 viewers which i thought i think oh, yeah i'm pretty sure at least one kept 100 yeah uh so that's that's yeah. where i'm next with the story <laughs> but yeah ramen bowl one uh was my highest viewership at that time and we had 70 something mm -hmm. viewers we earned i think it was near 200 dollars for the prize pot which was split between top three and then uh nah. yeah it That's was really it was great awesome. and then as it grew we had to split the prize pot even more because by the end uh ramen bowl four we ended up earning i think just a little bit over 600 dollars in the course of the tournament which is ridiculous to think yeah. about, but arms arms fans were I, so hungry to bring the game further than where it was, and supporting the scene was hard to do outside of online tournaments. So I think by the time Rumble Bowl Four came around, this was so established that people were just, yes, <laughs> show show us the heat. Well, I think. And I think it's yeah, and I think it's important to discuss the fact that like at this point, I mean, for a while you were you were hosting, I mean, what was essentially the only online tournaments people could could participate in. I mean, there was there were some yeah. other tournaments from time to time, but you always had a very consistent schedule of almost every week you could count on Mega League Monday on Monday, you could go to Fight Club on Wednesday if you wanted the, the top level um, you know experience. Um, you always got sets on stream. You always got to play some sets. And you also, I think the nice thing was, we've discussed this a bit where um, there ha there were, I don't want to get into the drama too much, but talking about like some of the uh, criticisms or complaints with the formats of like Mega League Monday or Fight Club yeah. being like best of one on random maps or Mega League Monday being single elimination for a tournament, which obviously isn't ideal. But in the grand scheme of what you were doing with like your vision and your network was you wanted to have bite-sized tournaments every week that people could go to right. and they weren't too long. And then Ramen Bowl was sort of this answer to a, a larger scale, um, truly double elimination, had a prize pot, had a lot of hype behind it um, going. And I think that in, if you take that into account, um, you know, it was, it was quite... Um, incredible to see that and i think you had a really good idea behind what you were doing with your yeah the the vast majority of people were just all on board no questions thank you for hosting tournaments let's get it and then there's the 
hardcore FGC guys who want to come in and say, oh, it's not double E limb. Oh, your stages are random. And yes, I'm going to talk like this voice when I'm talking about these people. <laughs> oh, oh, really? It's, it's single E limb? Oh, okay. I'm not even going to bother to enter. Okay, guy who has yeah. seven hours to spare on a weeknight. Like, we're, we're, we're all here for the same yeah. reason, to have fun in the amount of time that we well, have. So, yeah. And I, I think that, yeah, I think it's, it also, I think it also speaks to, like, the difference between um, when you're in that, like, it's a lot, because the arms community, we do have a lot of people who are right. in high school or college, and you have so much more free time when you're at, at that point in your life. And, um, I think for like a lot of the working class people, um, you know, spending like three to four hours on something on a weeknight is, is a huge commitment usually like that's, that's a big time sink. And, um, I think that while for me, cause I'm also, you know, a very competitive arms player and I, I do, I would love to have more double elimination stuff and more like truly competitive events. But I also understand that. Um, it's not feasible, really, to expect that on a weekly basis from people because that's a big time commitment. And I'd rather have more events that I can play in and get my skill up and just grow in the scene than um, maybe only having like truly competitive events. But then you'd probably see less of those, you know, because it's just hard to keep up that. Like if you did, if you did a, a double elimination bracket for Mega League Monday or something, um that could get you know into the five hour range on a weeknight and that would maybe deter people from, from yeah. participating uh, it's it's a combination of how much time do we have how much action can we fit in uh how long are viewers gonna stay mm -hmm. interested you know it's it's not just okay how can i measure who is the best fighter in the most fair way every tournament i run that's that has nothing to do yeah, with what yeah. I'm doing online. Nobody's going to online tournaments to say yes, I am the greatest once and for all. Like no, <laughs> there's, there's connection issues. Yeah. Everybody knows these things going in, and that that was explicitly yeah. stated in my rule sheet, which was laid out by my mods, yeah. Griff included. Shout out. And though, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. had some <laughs> crazy times. Ramen Bowl three. We cut the stream with no winner and had to have like a 24 hour debate over what was going to happen. <laughs> it, it was a yeah. mess. And yeah, I, I, I couldn't that have was... done yeah. the setup. I couldn't have had the stream layout. I couldn't have had the coordination during the tournament without my mods, without the players, especially because yeah. the players are the ones who dictate pace. They're the ones who dictate the attitude. And I felt like yeah. We had built such a fortress of positivity that anybody in a tournament in let's say it's winners top eight and there's a dispute about lag and somebody says something in the normal chat. My mods were like, nope, hammer, bang. <laughs> this, that's not how this works. You discuss <laughs> it the right way. You listen to the rule sheet. We were, we were very yeah, strict yeah. and... Well, Very strict on being positive. It's a weird way to look at it. It's kind of contradictory. Well, yeah, I think I think you need that, and I think that the overall vibe was a, a positive um, influence. And I think, if anything, I, I understand um, the frustrations with the formats. Oh, I understand them too. <laughs> I mean, people, trust me. Yeah. Well, we we know. Like in a perfect world, we would have we would have you know longer form, and and because I think that people really just want to get to the crux of 
um, trying to place people in terms yeah. of skill in the community. But for the ARM scene, because um, it's a smaller scene and because events are limited, it's difficult yeah. to get that data set number. So I and think that's why people try to latch on. But I, I think it all worked out for the best. And um, and I guess turning to Griff, and I, I wanted to kind of talk about um, your involvement with ARMS a bit. Um, I don't think anyone's ever really heard, except from private conversations, like your experience with the ARMS US Canada Open. And I kind of wanted to delve, in, delve into that a bit with you. Um, yeah, That's for any. That's that, that is. So let me, let me give some background for anyone who, who's listening doesn't know. Um, ARMS. The the Nintendo of America only ever did one online tournament because <laughs> they said that there was supposed to be multiple. Japan had a lot of um, tournaments sponsored by Nintendo, but th the U.S. only got one. It was in January of 2018. And the way the tournament worked was there was qualifiers where you played 50 or more ranked matches online. You um, were ranked based on that. And then it was eight people were chosen from the list of players that played online to play in this online sponsored Nintendo tournament that was streamed. And then there was like four backups and everyone got spring man art and it was a, a good time. But um, both Griff uh, and myself actually were, participated in that. So we were some of the, yeah, that's that crazy. That's a while back. Um, Pine, about, you're not even good. You didn't even spend two weeks at number one on the leaderboard. I, uh, yeah, well, I cheated my way to victory, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you always it's, do. it's, I know, I know I do. Um, but Griff actually did it the right Griff's way. Really uh, good. You yeah, Griff is really good. So, <laughs> so Griff, why don't you kind of tell us about that? Um, I guess from the announcement until the tournament, and how that kind of went for you and your experience with it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of Griff lore and like arms lore that goes on in this. So I don't I don't know like mm -hmm. what part of that you want to hear because there's a whole I could write yeah. a whole book on there's, this. There's Griff. Stop playing <laughs> coil. She's broken. Griff, <laughs> well, stop using Scully. It's broken. Why we don't hate you, Griff? That's it. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the playing coil because that came out just sort of before the tournament. Yeah, actually, um, I I believe I was solo master mummy. From a few weeks into the game to just before coil drops, and mm -hmm. uh, at the point I was, you know, I was rocking my whammer, rocking my chakram, doing all my own griff things. Yeah, and... whammer, whammer is the most griff thing ever. <laughs> Nobody has ever said, "Yeah, let's use whammer," except for griff. Yeah, and like I, I'd like to say this was some point during version four where i i got a bit down on myself i started to question where my place actually was and i tried a lot of different characters me and mummy you know we thought it'd be best to spend some more time apart after all that marriage counseling <laughs> that's like <laughs> and that's for the best and literally the day of me breaking down yabuki gets on stage reveals this video and it's dr coil and i'm like this is a message. I need to do this now. <laughs> so I pick up coil, practice as much as I can. I'm like, okay, this you move with this character, it's like flowing water. It's beautiful. You just float yeah. right over him. And like <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, like uh, I was I was getting really good. I was considered one of the best even before mm -hmm. the open. 
Oh yeah, no, no you were. No, I, you I saw a message from not. Gore. It was like, who do you think is gonna win the tourney? Gore said like, I think Griff has a really good chance. And yeah. when I saw that, it was kind of mind blowing. You weren't one of the best, Griff. You were the best. <laughs> <laughs> you were in okay. The that's a hot take. We can't. Uh, I mean, radio. Did you ever fight Griff? Uh, Griff's coil during this period. <laughs> I still cry. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a fun time. It was. It was very difficult. So. I guess going from that, you obviously you were having you're down on yourself about about the about arms in general and your your place in it. And then Coil came out. And then what did you think when you heard like the announcement for the tournament um, coming out? And then like the qualifying matches. When I think you know what I believe this was streamed. I believe me and the yes. arms of the North boys. I think got it together. is. AOTN, what? <laughs> and we. We streamed our reaction. Arms pops out. I jump out of my chair. I break a few things. And then I actually try and listen to what they're trying to say. <laughs> and then they go through the things like 50 matches, uh, per win percentage, email. And I'm like, hey, let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Did you, did you feel like you had your confidence back by then? I, I feel like I was, after that MLM, I felt like I was, you know, the, the new kid on the block. Everyone, like... I'm just strutting my stuff down the street with my double pairs of sunglasses. <laughs> That's a good feeling. Yeah, I kind of miss um, it. <laughs> well, and, I mean, you're still you're still one of the best arms players in the world, in my opinion. I mean, you 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 are able to pick up like almost any character, any arm of the game. It seems like, and you do extremely well. Um, and I don't think there's that many people that are able to like have that master knowledge of the game. Um, Griff, I remember you sent me a photo of your arm yes. after you fought Resolve <laughs> at the at the arms, and you're like, your arm was like, you're, you yes. could see your veins, oh. they were like popping we, out. Griff was talking in the SS Protein chat, and <laughs> we're like, you doing alright, man? He just types <laughs> in, my fingers hurt. <laughs> that was... That was that is still one of the most iconic matches in arms, I think. It is all. <laughs> My <laughs> fingers hurt. <laughs> it's really cool because there's not a lot of uh, cl uh, clips that are normally recorded, but you can find that match on on, on your itself. Switch. Like in the game. game, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. just open yep. up the game. Well, what? Is, so during the the top eight, um, what were your thoughts with like your opponents? Because who did you fight first? Was it? Are you asking about first round? Yeah, we're asking about first round. It was Sir Rosa. It was well, Sorosa. Yes, it was Yeah, Sorosa. that was that was the only other one that you were in that's on, actually on the game itself. <laughs> okay, okay, gotcha. That's what I was thinking. So what in, fact, I, in the description it's like Dr. Coyle brings a quick and light scully. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's Griff. That, that's Griff. That's funny. So did you feel I mean like the day of the tournament, were you pretty stressed out or did you feel pretty anxious? I mean you know, I was nervous, but on the surface, I was calm and ready to drop bombs. That's but... mom spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I think like seven thousand people watched that tournament, which is yeah. Like, uh, I checked the views a few months ago. They're at forty k for the finals. That uh, that's that's impressive for arms. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you 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 are installed into the game at this point, Griff. People, if you go to videos. On arms, you're right there. I guess from there though, because I, I, the last topic that we kind of want to talk about was like vitality and mental health, and 
I, I guess going into that a bit, um, do you like Griff? I know that you've, you've kind of mentioned that you, you do struggle a bit with like your, your self confidence and stuff. And is yes. that, do you think, do you think arms has like helped you in that regard and in, in terms of becoming more confident with yourself as you grown up a bit? I, I feel like arms wasn't necessarily what made me more confident. I would say it's the people that I've met through arms that helped me. Ooh. I think so. It's kind of like indirectly associated yeah. with arms, but I believe the wonderful, beautiful people listening to this helped me through it. <laughs> I, I totally get that. Cause I think that, um, if you have a good support system and friends in a community or on a sports team or whatever, um, it it bolsters your courage and, and they can push you to be better and also push you to to realize your own worth and i think that at least in my opinion i think that you you've come to this point where talking about walking down the street with double sunglasses you <laughs> you uh you understand like you know you're you're a force to be reckoned with <laughs> yeah and like this i don't know if many people know this but this was my first competitive game for me i was not in competitive gaming before arms so it was like kind of a new feeling for me to go through all this stuff like burnout and feel like on stream your matches and like feeling yeah. those losses really deeply yeah that, that was all real. new it, yeah i think getting over losses is one of the hardest things especially like when you're getting when you're growing in a scene like getting up to the higher tiers because like you're constantly being pushed with loss in your face constantly um and it sucks but you kind of have to tell yourself that you that it's okay you can keep going <laughs> yeah it's like uh it this extended for a whole month uh after the open sometimes i would just you know doing my thing i would take a look at the sky stay there for a few minutes and my brain would be like if you punched one more time with that boomerang, you would have won. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no! <laughs> it's always the curve arms. Uh, I just I just sit there for like three minutes contemplating what would have happened. And that I get stuck that. with me for a while. It's tough because like you have this dichotomy between like some of the highest highs of like after you win a tournament or do really well. And then like you also have those moments where you'll be up at like two o'clock in the morning and thinking about these very specific <laughs> losses that you've had. Yeah. And it's Especially like, Especially if it's streamed and you get to rewatch <laughs> yeah. it live, you know, I, I've made it a habit not to watch any of my sets ever, which hmm. I, I, I didn't watch, uh, smash and splash Four sets that I played in until like a week before smash and splash five to kind of prepare. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't yeah. surprise me. I, I mean, I get. I think there's so much worth in in analyzing your own matches, but for me, it's just like I'm trying to look towards the next thing. I don't want to focus on on my past at all. Right. Plus, yeah. we talked about you're not really that good, so <laughs> I, I know there's that too. Yeah. Um, I think burnout is something that is. I think the arms community, especially because the arms has been the first game for a lot of players. Um, burnout has been a big issue with people that have been spending like eight hours a day playing the game and trying to improve and get better and then you just hit this wall and you just you mm -hmm. you fizzle out yeah. um uh, it's hard to deal with like well, how did you kind of overcome it hmm. okay i feel like i've as i've said it, i was all mummy it was all mummy for a yeah. lot of the time and <laughs> it's really funny to think back like my my banes my internal 
suffering came from exclusively spring men and Swintel. <laughs> it's like fair. it's because I'm I, I don't know what I'm doing to an extent. I just throw it an arm. They a toothpaste surrounds them, and I'm like, oh, what happens? <laughs> <laughs> I can't do anything. But yeah, I feel like to extend, no pun intended, but <laughs> to like kind of build on to <laughs> the coil bit. I think. Dr. Coyle kind of helped me overcome my frustrations. It was like a whole new thing. I felt like I I left the mortal body that was depression <laughs> <laughs> and I rose to the skies to yeah, it was crazy. I mean that's that's interesting to hear though, that like the a character change for you helped you in a lot of ways overcoming that. Grimps, um what has your experience been like? I mean, you you stream a lot, and you're more of a commentator and tournament organizer. But yeah, what has your experience been with like frustrations in the game and overcoming some things? Um, it's a lot different playing video games for me than competing. And I'm not saying this to demean or put down any uh, esports players at all. Like I I cannot do that. I cannot be a professional video game player. Yeah. I understand the level of dedication and focus it takes to do that. Um, I come from a sports background. Yeah. I've played everything throughout my whole life. I've got a college scholarship for two different sports, basketball and golf. So for me, the uh, the smack talk and the, the ability to impose yourself on an opponent exist in sport mm-hmm. that does not exist in esports you have to erase yourself you are only what your thumbs can produce and <laughs> your your voice is only an echo after that like yeah. l- let me give you an example so i played college basketball let's say i ha- was having an off shooting day i i couldn't hit anything Okay, that's fine. Now I'm mad because I can't hit anything, so I'm going to be playing harder on defense. I'm going to be talking more smack. I'm going to be in everybody's ear, elbows everywhere. I'm going to be <laughs> around every turn. You're going to be really upset that you had to play me even if you won. Yeah, yeah. And transition over to esports, not only am I commentating, trying to put on a show, trying to keep the the macro picture in mind you know yeah encompassing everybody making people feel welcome all the while i'm actually trying to win oh in 64 and mlm shout out to me (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's i i think that's a tough position to be in yeah i so i i came from sports then i my first competitive game was call of duty and Mm -hmm. I was on a team for a few weeks. They basically just wanted too much commitment. And I was like, yeah, I'll just roll on with my eight to one KD elsewhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I get that. When I first transitioned to esports, it was Call of Duty, which accepted and allowed and almost loved the smack talk and the, the, the verbal puns and whatnot afterwards but Mm -hmm. none none of that matters when you're playing a fighting game the only thing that matters is your timing your spacing your adaptability 
none of those are physical attributes that you can impose on somebody else. Exactly. I've I actually was pretty hot, uh, like hot headed as a person, and I would I wasn't afraid of confrontation. I was in combat sports for several years. I was in the military, so that all that is second nature to me. That that stuff's easy. So mm-hmm. what I what I loved about esports is that it challenged me mentally because none of the things that I knew could apply to what I was doing applied in. It was only about performance and only yeah. about focus and your execution. Yeah, and I mean so, you're I mean you're yeah, a big guy. You're like six foot what? Six foot four? Six yeah, foot six seven. Six seven. Okay. Holy crap. Yeah. So I mean obviously it's very easy for for you to impose yourself on someone. Right. Which so, is which is what I was used to doing. And but, even when that didn't work I could say that I was going to impose myself on you, and yeah. you'd be like, "Oh boy, maybe he might." <laughs> you know, but that, but none of that matters on. So that's so you, that's what I'm. That's what I was getting at with the comparison there between sports and esports. Yeah. Do you think that removing that physical aspect and focusing on just like your performance and also um, treating people, because you obviously. I think you're very transparent with your online persona where you are just as you are offline. And I I cannot, I will never, and I can't mentally and morally put on a show for people ever. I'm real. I say what I mean to your face. I deal with problems directly. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I love about you. And I think this, because of that, do you think like the, like in being involved with esports and online has challenged you to be a better person then because of what you've been saying? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have stayed in it if it wasn't a challenge. I, mm-hmm. I approach challenges. I get bored easily. So when I, when I found this new avenue, which, I mean, I, I grew up playing fighting games. I've been playing Smash since the day it came out on N64. Before that, I was playing uh, Street Fighter. Uh, not really a fighting game, but Double Dragon, Battletoads, you know, just side-scrollers, uh, sort of competitive environments. And I, I have two older brothers. I'm the youngest. So I'm, I'm, I've always been trying to you know, since they faked that my controller was plugged, I've been trying to get back at them. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good. But yeah, the the um, the gaming community one hundred percent has affected my persona and my personality and the way I go about things on a daily basis. Just being more patient. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was just thinking of something else that was really funny, and it hit me hard. Okay. <laughs> well, you you've never struck me as a hot-headed person, though, and I like. I I'm think, not. I'm not anymore. Which I think is awesome because I think that you. Um, I mean, you just seem very, uh, very. I think you've probably always been kind, but I think that in the way that you've expressed how esports has challenged you to be a better person, I think that you've really like grown in patience and probably um, maybe even like being able to relate to people easier and I think that that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that relates to what I was saying initially about me looking at the macro scale, you know, I'm, I'm here to do this thing, that's goal yeah. number one, is to put on this event. 
Goal mm-hmm. number two is, you know, make sure everybody's happy, feels like they've been treated fairly, welcome everybody. And then goal three or four or five is have personal success. But to me, yeah. you know, if I come in dead last in an MLM, but it's still a really fun stream and we have great top eight matches, like that's still a success. To me. So it it became, you know, just destroying the ego, basically. Yeah. No, learning learning no. to appreciate the whole product and not what you're able to put out. Yeah, and I think I don't think you could have done such a long-standing tournament like MLM if you didn't um, work on destroying your ego, being able to take the losses as they come, and just enjoy the stream. And um, I think if I think of esports at, at a larger scale, being able to get over your ego and sort of look at the longer picture of like you're going to have ups and downs and your career might you know sway here and there, but if you keep at it and keep that dedicated persona, um, it's better than but then going the route of being very prideful. Yeah. And you touched on it. The, the team aspect is huge because not only in esports, but the stream itself couldn't have existed without Griff, my other mods. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my brother made my logo. Griff makes my trophies. Yeah. I got mods from the arms community who are not only willing, but want to be there and they want to make sure things go smoothly just to see the growth and community and that's why arms special is special to this day to me is because the people that came in were there for the same reason everybody wanted to have fun they wanted to make this game a success and that was it and whatever we could do to promote positivity promote the game everybody was on board with that i think that the unified message and feeling across the community is what allowed the growth in those early days i think you i think you put it very well yeah i think well i think as we're we're sort of ending or nearing the end of our stream i want to ask both of you um a question then for helping um newer players or people struggling with you know self-doubt and um self-deprecation what would what would your maybe I mean, it could be multiple tips, but what would you say to, to newer players and I guess in arms, but really any eSport or sport in terms of starting a career or starting the, you know, starting the game and what kind of advice would you give? What do you think, uh, Griff? You want to go first? Well, I don't know if you can hear, but my dogs are going ballistic in the That's background. That's okay. I hear so I'm, I'm going to take scripts. <laughs> I'm going to offer scripts to take this one. All right. Okay. Um, so there's multiple ways to look at this. If you just want a saying that you want to cling to and write down and put in front of your door so you look at it every day, it's that every bad day is a trampoline for a good day. And at the root of that is on that bad day, you can take the loss, you can take the bad decision, you can take the whatever it is the bad attitude and learn from that's the most important thing is can't you cannot dwell on what has happened too long whether it's negative or positive if it's negative figure it out figure out what you did wrong figure out how you're gonna fix it move forward with that plan and if something went well analyze that see what went well 
replicate that and then also improve on the mistakes made within that. So there's there's a lesson to be learned whether it's a loss or a win. And the important thing is adaptability in your mind and staying loose, be like water, like Jet Li said. <laughs> you gotta learn from everything. You gotta fill every container, explore every avenue, and learn yeah. from it all. And if if there's ever a point where you're beating yourself up too much, just understand that there's a reason for human emotion. We have bad, we have good. You can learn from it all, and you need to learn from it all in order to move forward and succeed in the future. Wow, that that was a, a perfectly spoken. I don't think I could have put it any better. So, so Griff, <laughs> are your <laughs> are your dogs still barking? Oh no, the hell beasts have calmed themselves. <laughs> well, so good. We are, we are good. Before they attack again, um, <laughs> please, please tell us your uh, juicy, spicy, hot tips. Uh, you know, I don't. I feel like the worst way to come about this is to sugarcoat it. Like, say, oh, you know, this this might not happen. You'll always feel good. You're always good. You're amazing. That's that's not how it works. Yeah, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> I, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you play high tier, low tier. I don't care if you're the most confident man in the world. You are going to reach that low point to where you're questioning your place in everything, your ability your character what people think of you and it's it's really draining on you so i would suggest if you really need to break out of that you could try and switch things up and that's what helped for me is like i spent at least three hours in arms test where it gives you random arms just thinking about like how i can incorporate this or if this helps what i've been struggling with or if it if it's too severe, you could even try a different character. And if you're afraid of losing all progress with your main, your previous main, like I went through that, you don't lose anything. It's very, no. it's very in your mind already. If you're afraid of losing something, don't be. It's it's there, and it'll be there when you come back. The yeah. only thing we're trying to lose here is that mindset, and switching your character will definitely help that. Yeah. Absolutely. Just just to add on to your point, Griff, um, I guess arms related and not arms related recently in Smash, I just um, I've never really had a main. I play like seven characters, but I was just playing Piranha Plant, who has a very strong back kick or back air. Sorry, back kick. <laughs> I was already on him an next. But I switched back to Ness, who has a very strong back kick <laughs> and just utilizing that as my main weapon allowed me to come back to Ness and be like, okay, now I have the back air as one of my strongest weapons, one of my best timed things. So yeah, switching character can only open up new avenues for you. You will not forget the muscle memory of your main. That's not a thing. You'll come yeah, back yeah. and only be better for it. And like, I, I think especially is uh, why I have so much knowledge on everything in this game. It's that Everyone has their own goal, they have their own weaknesses, and they have their own strengths. So in a way, it's like learning a new language. It's like you, can, you can't only study the words of names of food. Like <laughs> you, need, you need the entire encyclopedia. You got to yeah. study air movement. You got to study charge. You got to study dash speed. 
and all that. You need everything. And using everything is how you learn everything. <laughs> you can't yeah. just stand in tower mode all day. <laughs> <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> you get caught up by those birds. Oh. <laughs> well, guys, I think um, on that note, um, I just wanted to really thank both of you for, for agreeing to, to come on the podcast tonight and um, scheduling the time to do this. And I think that um, this was very helpful, I think, for not only getting to delve into your, your personal lives a bit and kind of figure out like the hobbies and things that kind of made you who you are today. Um, but I think also, I think this should be a pretty helpful teaching tool and hopefully help some people out in terms of some of the discussion we have with mentality and struggling with, with, you know, just life, life happens and you can't really control it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it'll prove useful for a lot of people. Agreed. Um, not to, not to end note your end note. No, you're fine. But, uh, I feel that a reason the four of us specifically have found fun, joy, love, whatever it is in this community is that we're all doing things for the right reason. Starting from, I was streaming cause I liked a game. Griff mm-hmm. was making art cause he liked it refused payment just to help <laughs> the stream out as he still does to this day i yeah. I, I owe griff so much oh. i'm gonna have to fly <laughs> this man out once i get a yacht you're gonna be on it griff <laughs> but, i'm honored it's uh, gonna be a green yacht by the way he's gonna live in it <laughs> yes it's gonna be a green yacht with a big handle uh can't wait to set sail on the ss griffical <laughs> <laughs> sniff it up uh, but it's going to be in the double S's for the double scullies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was thinking script squad, but that works too. Yeah. No, yes, double entendre. Let's go. But doing things for the right reason in the end pays off more than doing something lucrative for, uh, what am I looking for? A, a surface area reason, a I mean, selfish I would, reason. I would say either like, the the focusing on the pride or reputation first or some sort of like monetary benefit i guess i mean i would say that those are sort of the things that come to mind yeah um, the, in terms the of that you want to avoid yeah no i agree i think that all four of us you know definitely have that we do things for the right reasons and the passion behind it and that we find joy from that and not yeah. the other way around. Including wow. this podcast, which... Yeah, which you all... Every, all four of us have worked on this project now. It's really quite amazing to have this be our first episode because, you know, Griff has designed our logo. Scrimps, you've helped with the music. And Radio and I have been putting this together. And um, it's really awesome to, to see this, you know, come to fruition and also have you guys on. Yeah, man. Radio yeah, was really the, great. Putting out the warmth over there. Yes. It's all <laughs> love. I'm I'm sure I'll be talking to you three for the rest of my life. I and hope so. And that's because of a game. And that's yeah. something that we should all appreciate. I agree. Absolutely. And I mean, I hate to outro the outro the outro, but no, okay. <laughs> keep going. Uh <laughs> I just I just want to thank uh YouTube Pine and Radio for 
having us on and, you know, contacting us in particular. Because absolutely for me, that means a lot because I mean, yeah. just like to think, wow, these two incredibly <laughs> handsome and cool people <laughs> went to <laughs> me for my voice. And I'm like, wow. No, we were I you were like you and Scrims were some of the first people that came to mind for when we started this project, for me at least. And um I think that it's kind of a no brainer just because I don't think a lot of especially for you, Griff, I don't think a lot of the people in the community know you that well. And I think that this was a interesting idea yeah. to try to explore that. And um yeah, so for anyone listening, this um we will be working on our future episodes pretty soon. We've got some guests lined up actually for the next two, and we're going to keep working on getting other people on uh, this podcast. And Radio and I will have a lot more fun, weird, funny, hopefully funny conversations <laughs> for you in the future. So um, this is Wholesome Transmission signing out. Wholesome Transmissions is co-hosted by me, Pineapple Freak, and Radio. You can find Radio on Twitter and SoundCloud at Dead Poetrism, and you can't find me anywhere because I'm not on social media. Our artwork was made by Griffical. You can find him on both YouTube and Twitter at Griffical, and our music was made by Scrimps. You can find him on Twitter, YouTube at Scrimps, and on SoundCloud under DJ Wody. Radio produces these episodes, and both Radio and myself edit them. We would like to also thank the ARMS community for making us who we are today, and also giving us the connections to be able to do this show. Thank you guys.